How many of you made a New Year's resolution? Wow, I see they're very popular these days. <laughs> uh, my New Year's resolution was to not make a resolution, and I succeeded at it, so mine's already fulfilled. So I'm very glad about that. Uh, they, they do say that uh, I was listening to the radio. Uh, I won't say what station so you don't judge me. It wasn't Z101 at all. And they were sh- sharing some information on there on what the top three New Year's resolutions are. And Z101, of, of course, probably has very scientific information. And they said that uh, number one is losing weight. Number two is exercising more. And number three is be a better person. So pretty, pretty big picture things. And I actually am um, thinking about 2022 and, and the adventures and the challenges we face and, and uh, wondering about it and thinking about um, the wisdom of God. And that's what I want to start to share with you beginning this week is um, as you start, as you take inventory at the beginning of a year and you think about what life will be like and, you know, in some ways it's just another day and we just keep going on in the rhythms that we've been a part of. But it is a moment where I think it's appropriate to evaluate. And so uh, I want to I talk about the idea of wisdom. And as we live our lives and as we make the decisions we're going to make and tackle the challenges that we face or the adventures that you will be on throughout the next year, to do it with wisdom. The Bible is full of wisdom. It, there's some of my favorite books in the Bible. I, I remember being uh, some of my earliest memories of getting familiar with the Scripture. I had a, um, I had a black kind of a paperback type cover student Bible. You know, it had like the hot pink student 80s. It said student. Anybody have a Bible like that? Uh, yeah, you did too. Huh? That uh, I was learning the Word and... And I was, you know, probably late in my elementary years. And some of my favorite things that I would read were in the Proverbs, in Ecclesiastes, in the book of Job. For whatever reason, as a kid, I I was able to get something out of that and, and to make practical application for my life out of the books of wisdom in the Bible. Did you know that some of the books are referred to as the books of wisdom? We have books like Job and Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Songs are all considered wisdom books. And they're a little bit different because, you know, when we read some of the other books, they're kind of historical accounts and giving us information about what had happened in the Old Testament and in creation and those kind of things. But then when we get to the books of wisdom... We start to see what, was, what really goes on in the hearts and the minds of people. When we read Psalms, we see that David was a very real human being. He had very real emotions. He had very real struggles. He had great successes and he had great failures. And we don't just hear the story about it. We begin to get glimpses of his heart, his emotion, his struggle, his relationship with God. And so it kind of shifts gears there. And it helps us realize that even the heroes of the faith and the heroes in the Bible were just like you and me. They had to learn things. They experienced things. They were challenged. The wisdom books are, uh, they're, they're just, they've got some in-depth things that we can learn from. They ask us, tw- they, they challenge us with tough questions because uh, they were wrestling with the things too that we wrestle with today. What about sin? What about doing the right thing? How do I handle a situation? How do I talk to somebody? How do I treat someone? They were wrestling with those same issues thousands of years ago. 
Men and women just like you and I. And we can go all the way back there and we can learn great wisdom from the Word of God. One of my favorite, favorite stories in the Bible early on um, is, a, is a story of Solomon when he became king. And for whatever reason, his story caught my attention when I was a kid. And I, I, just, I remember distinctly, even today, reading that story. I don't have a lot of memories of my childhood, but I do remember reading and being fascinated with Solomon and then wanting to know and understand this wisdom that he got a hold of in his life. We're going to read out of Second Chronicles chapter 1. First thing. I'm going to give you some background here now. Who was Solomon? Solomon was King David's son. So when in, in the history of Israel, there was no king. God was their king up until they asked for a king and, and they got Saul. And after Saul, they got David, David and Goliath David. The beginning of David's story really is him killing Goliath. And he goes on to eventually he runs from Saul for years. All kinds of great stories that you can read in Samuel and Chronicles and Kings about these guys. And, and David eventually um, succeeds as the king and, and makes the kingdom great. And then the third king is Solomon, his son. Solomon is actually the son of Bathsheba. If you know the story of David, David had an affair with a young woman. Uh, and had her husband murdered. It was probably the low point of David's life. He committed great sin. And the child that they had together as a result of that affair died. But then he took on Bathsheba as his wife, and she had another son, and that was Solomon. And Solomon became king. Solomon had lots of brothers. There was rebellion in David's kingdom, and, and ultimately Solomon rose to the top as the king. And we pick up the story in Second Chronicles chapter 1. In that night, okay, what night are we talking about? Day, uh, Solomon has, he, he's being made king, and he, he offers literally thousands of sacrifices that day to honor God. He's, he's really making an effort to put God first in the establishment of his kingdom. And that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask what I shall give you. How many of you would like that? If God appeared to you today or tonight and said, ask, what shall I give you? What do you need? What do you want? What would you wish for in that moment? And this is what's profound about Solomon's response. And Solomon said to God, you have shown great and steadfast love to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. O Lord God, let your word to David, my father, be now fulfilled. For you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust on the earth. Here it is. Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. For who can govern this people of yours, which is so great? God answered Solomon, because this was in your heart... And you have not asked for possessions or wealth, honor, or life of the, the life of those who hate you, and have not even asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may govern my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. 
I will also give you riches, possessions, and honor, such as none of the kings who were before you and none after you shall have the like. Solomon has the most brilliant response. And God says, it was in your heart. From his heart, a genuine desire Solomon had to have wisdom and knowledge to govern God's people. Solomon had a mission. We've been talking about living the mission. Solomon has to live the mission of his life, what God has called him to do, and his request of God in order to live that mission is for wisdom. Of all the things he could have asked for, selfish things, God blesses Solomon abundantly, first of all, because his heart was in the right place. Out of his heart, he asked for a good thing, wisdom to lead God's people. And he acknowledges all the time that it's God's people, not his people as the king. God granted him the wisdom he needed to live the mission. You and I all need wisdom to live the mission that God has for us in our individual lives. And we as a church need wisdom in order to live the mission that we have as a church. And I wonder, if I were given the opportunity, would I ask for such a thing? And I remember being so inspired by this story that that was, began to be my prayer as a young man. God, help me, help me have knowledge and wisdom. How do I... How do I do that? And then we, all of a sudden we've got these books of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes that you can begin to dive into and see what was the wisdom of Solomon. And that's what we're going to dive into. We're going to be looking at some of the things that Solomon had to teach us over the next couple of weeks. It was a humble request. Are we requesting humbly from God like Solomon? God, I just pray in humility and humbleness, Lord, that you would give me the wisdom I need to live this life you've given me in a way that that you want me to live and to do the things you want me to do. And it was on his heart. I think that's so key when God said, because this was in your heart. And so we reflect on our own lives and say, is that in my heart, that humility and that desire for wisdom from the Lord about how to live? Solomon did indeed receive great wisdom and knowledge. He became very famous and very, very wealthy. Uh, Just outstanding or just ridiculous amounts of wealth and success that Solomon had. And we read a story in there. The Queen of Sheba uh, comes to see him. Now the Queen of Sheba, this is 1 Kings chapter 10. Now when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. This is a powerful woman who is curious and wants to know some of this wisdom of this person she's heard of. And so she travels to meet Solomon. And there's a lot more to this story, uh, a lot more detail. But we're just covering something to show you and to remind ourselves that God indeed did bless Solomon significantly for his request. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue. Is that the right way to say that word? I meant to look that up before I got here. A very great retinue with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. He was very, very wise. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, 
the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. She was astounded at the wisdom that this man had, that God had blessed him with. You and I can read that profound, outstanding wisdom today. We can dive into this. You're talking about worldwide famous wisdom. Did you know you had that right at your disposal in the Word of God? The Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the book of Job, the Psalms, right there. All the wisdom you would ever need in your life. I've always enjoyed Proverbs and Ecclesiastes significantly. And what we're going to do today and then in the days ahead, um, we'll be looking at some of the themes or the things that we see in Proverbs. And here's the thing that even before we dive into Proverbs that that stands out to me is, you know, I've just hopefully raised your expectations about this profound wisdom. I mean, there must be like nuclear physics in there and quantum physics, right? And all kinds of massively deep, profound things, right? But if you've ever read Proverbs or Ecclesiastes, you find a very powerful, understandable wisdom. Because I think sometimes we we think that our our knowledge has to get into some deep and mysterious, um, mystical kind of arena in order to be practical or useful or really deep and strong in our lives. And yet, when we read through Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, we don't we see things that we just almost make you laugh sometimes. You'll probably chuckle at some of the Proverbs that we will read as we think about them. So as we read them, let's think about them. In the introduction of uh, the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, it says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And then he gives some purpose here. I'll read these to you. To know wisdom and instruction to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. Let's just pause there for a second. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Where does knowledge come from? Where do we begin the journey? How do we become wise? When we're navigating the difficult challenges that come our way, how do I handle my finances? How do I handle raising my children? How do I deal with this situation at work? How do I handle my integrity in this situation? Or I've offended this person. How do I deal with that? It all begins with the Lord. All wisdom we ever could need begins with the Lord. A respect of Him and His ways. There is no higher way. There is no greater wisdom than what begins with God. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Oh, I wonder, when I read these words, and I hope as you, as we read them together and look at these words together, we're reflecting on the attitudes of our hearts. Do I despise wisdom and knowledge? 
Do I reject instruction and wisdom of the Word of God? When I read it and it's instructing me, am I able to actually receive it and let it do something in my heart? Or am I a fool who rejects the counsel of the Lord? I want to be wise. I need to begin with the fear of the Lord. I think I have a couple more verses there. No, I don't. Never mind. I'll get to them later. Sorry, Nick. Make the, the media people panic here. You know, in the book of Proverbs, it talks about wisdom. Wisdom is sometimes personified. Wisdom is described like a person. Some people will even say that oftentimes these, these Proverbs about wisdom, where wisdom is like a person, usually represented as a woman speaking, is foreshadowing of Christ himself. Many people would look at the Proverbs as actually prophetic and, and fulfilled in Jesus. And so wisdom is often portrayed as a person, someone that's talking to us. And, and in uh, Proverbs chapter 1, in verse 20, it says this, Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will the scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? What's scoffing? Scoffing is a mocking words and tone. It's kind of a, oh, as if sort of attitude. Oh, yeah, right, you? Uh Uh-huh. Just a mocking kind of tone. Degrading, insulting. We all scoff from time to time. Sometimes we do it in jesting and humor. But there's a lot of scoffing in the world today. A lot of mocking of things. Mocking of one another. Mocking of knowledge, information, people's feelings, people's perspectives. There's a lot of scoffing going on and dismissiveness. And we're not called to be scoffers. If we are wise, we will not scoff. We won't mock We'll see through the eyes of wisdom the circumstances of our lives and what's going on around us. How long will fools hate knowledge? Wisdom asks. If you turn at my reproof, what's reproof? My, my correction. I'm, I'm calling into something, into, I'm bringing up the evidence, making it clear in an idea that you'll turn and go a different direction. It's where we get the idea of repentance. If you turn at my reproof, Behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Who does this kind of sound like? Sounds like Jesus too, doesn't it? If you repent, if you turn at my words, at my teaching, I will pour out my spirit on you. Wisdom is the same. Let's receive the wisdom of the Lord and make the adjustments and the changes we need to in our lives that he will then empower us to live a godly life, and have success in the things that we do. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called you and you refuse to listen. Now this is a rebuke of those who do not listen to wisdom. Those who do not receive the wisdom of the Lord. Who, who rebel and reject. Because I have called you and you refuse to listen. Have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. What does that show? I mean... You got, you got, wisdom is, is reaching out, offering something. Come on, take it. Take wisdom and live differently, better. Build more wisely. 
those kinds of things. There's an invitation of wisdom. Have stretched out my hand and no one is heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock the terror when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then you will call upon me, but I will not answer. See, what, what is wisdom saying here? When you reject my ways, you can expect calamity. You can expect, expect chaos. You can expect storms and challenges and difficulty and anguish and distress when you reject the ways of the Lord. This is, this is kind of intense, isn't it? It's, it's harsh. It's draw, wisdom draws attention to this negative response to the truth, calling us to respond wisely, not foolishly, to answer and, and heed that invitation of wisdom to live according to it. Then you will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. It's something very important in the kingdom of God and in the world. There are very real consequences for living foolishly. We've all paid them in one shape or another in our lives. They don't just go away. We reap the fruit of our decisions. Even, when we, when, even though God forgives and He brings about restoration, there are still consequences to the decisions we make in life. If I lie to you, if I hurt you, you might forgive me, but it's going to be a long time before you trust me again. That's a natural consequence and real when it comes to the way life works and dealing with wisdom. And, and, and the wisdom here is calling out and saying, we will eat the fruit of our way. You know, God said, it says in the scripture, God will not be mocked. One will reap what they sow. If we sow in, in discord or anger or selfishness or jealousy or sexual immorality, we will reap those things down the road. There are consequences to behaving foolishly, but there are also consequences to behaving wisely. We, can, we have the blessing of the Lord. We build our house on a strong foundation, so to speak, when we Build wisely. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. I don't know about you, but that sounds good. To be at ease to live without dread of disaster. It's not that disaster doesn't come upon the righteous. It does. Bad things happen to good people. But I can be at ease and I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to dread whatever's coming down the road because I have a life built on a foundation of wisdom, hopefully. That's what, the, the, that's what wisdom is encouraging us with. She's calling out and saying, I'm offering something to you. And you know what? It, it's, it is the word of the Lord. These are not rocket science things. And we would, like it, we would like life to be that way. Lots of rocket science and real difficult things to kind of justify ourselves. But the wisdom of the Lord is not complex. It has to do with our character and our nature and how we respond to Him. One of the most famous 
Proverbs to most people, and, and one of my favorites is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. And we begin to see this principle. So we see that wisdom is valuable. We see that Solomon prospered because of wisdom and that his wisdom is at our disposal. It's the word of God, not just the word of Solomon. It's the word of God at our disposal that we can read and learn and gain knowledge. And one of the first principles we see is trust in the Lord. One of the first principles of wisdom, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. But we, we do this, don't we? Lean on our own understanding. I will evaluate the situation according to my own logic or principles without regard to the Word of God. And yet the Word of God has instructed me, do not lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Let Him be the one that you put your trust in. Operate in His ways. Not a, not a worldly way or a selfish way or your own intellect. Those are all part of the picture, but we need to trust in the Lord with all our heart and do not lean on our own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Remember, wisdom and knowledge begin with a fear of the Lord. We begin by putting God first. We're going to talk about other principles like don't be lazy, be sure that you're humble, you know, hold your tongue, some of those common, good, sensible wisdoms, but they all begin with this idea that we have to put the Lord first in our lives. Acknowledge him in all of your ways. What does it mean to acknowledge him? I think of this verse almost every time I pray for our dinner. We sit around the dinner table and we say grace. And it can be very habitual and it can lack emotion. And sometimes we just recite the words. And I understand that because it's just routine. But this is one of the things that always rings in, in, in my spirit when we do it. In all your ways, acknowledge him. So when we sit down to eat, acknowledge him. When we go to bed at night and we're getting ready to sleep and we're praying for our kids, we're acknowledging Him. When you're getting in your car to go on a road trip for the holidays and you're praying for safe journeys, you're acknowledging Him. When you receive your paycheck and you thank God, acknowledge Him. That's acknowledging Him in all of your ways. Everything you do, stop and acknowledge God in it. Whether just every activity in life. I'm going to go ice fishing this afternoon. I should acknowledge Him. And if I actually catch a fish, I should acknowledge God. And when we get home safely from the road trip, I should acknowledge Him that He blessed us. And when I sit down at dinner tonight and I pray for our food, I want to acknowledge Him. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him. And He makes this promise to you. He will make your path straight. How many of you want to walk a straight path? We know what it's like to be on crooked and difficult paths at times. I want my path to be straight. How do I begin that? By, by absorbing this wisdom from the Word of God that teaches me, acknowledge Him. Everything you do, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. This is the wisdom of the Lord for us. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 26. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. Ouch. Ouch. I find myself actually praying this sometimes. And, and just saying, God, I, I don't, my mind is not my God. Because we do that. We worship ourselves. We worship our knowledge and our logic. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. But he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. How many times have we let ourselves down? Well, we thought it through, and by golly, we were pretty persuaded we were right, and ultimately we were wrong. Our mind is not our God. 
We even do this, I, I, you, you'll catch glimpses of this if you're thinking about it sometimes, that we will hold our intellect and our mind in higher regard than we do the Word of God. We let it be what judges the Word rather than the Word judge our mind. We make our mind God over God. So when His Word says challenging things and it doesn't line up with my logic, then it must be wrong. Well, who's my God then? My mind. I've decided that verse is too difficult to understand, or God got it wrong, Paul got it wrong, John got it wrong, Mark got it wrong. Jesus couldn't have said that. So my mind becomes God, rather than letting God be God. It's probably our biggest risk of idolatry. And here we see this, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. It's not his own wisdom, he didn't create it, not just because he's smart and whatever, the person that walks in wisdom, what kind of wisdom? This wisdom from the Word of God, the wisdom of the Lord that is taught to us. Proverbs 18.2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. <laughs> Did we lose the PowerPoint? Oh, okay. There we go. A fool takes no pleasure in his understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. I feel like I should write this as a letter to the editor or something like that. <laughs> I've had my fill of this. Have you? Opinion, 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 opinion. I'm right. My mind is right. My logic is right. You're an idiot. Fools take no pleasure in understanding. Are we even trying to understand? Or have we just latched onto something and we're going to express our opinion? The Bible calls that foolish foolishness. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only expressing his opinion. I'm reminded of this when I want to, I, I use the word opinionate. I want to I start throwing my opinions. I want to be aggressive about them. I want to punch you in the face with my attitude and ideas. How many people are being persuaded by that? None that I know of. Why? Because that isn't what it's about. It isn't wise. We're wise to hold our tongue. We'll talk more about that as we go. But all of this is, is drawing attention to the idea that we need to trust in the Lord with all our heart, not ourselves, not our opinions, not our minds. We need to hold our mind against the Word of God and see if it lines up. And if it doesn't, we correct the mind, not the Word of God. Good stuff. I love the wisdom of the Scripture. Just so real and grounded. I think probably the last subject I'll dive into today out of the book of Proverbs begins in, uh, what are we, Proverbs chapter 6, I think. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Anyone get called a sluggard before? Okay, some of the translations say slacker. You're a slacker, Tannen. Remember this, Back to the Future? Go to the ant, O sluggard. Are you awake this morning? Am I being too mean? <laughs> Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. One of the things that um, we're all, all, every generation has been challenged with it, and it's, um, it's like, do we really have to work? Do we really have to achieve things in life? I kind of want to just stay in bed. I kind of want to just win the lottery. 
I don't want to have to work. I don't want to have to provide. I want it to just be handed to me. And when we raise our kids, we try and teach them good work ethic and to work hard. That isn't just a uh, a worldly kind of wisdom. The Scripture teaches us that we should be diligent, hardworking people like the ant. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a robber and want like an armed man. The wisdom of Solomon was to consider the ant. So we talked about this a little bit in a different context. But if you go look at the ant pile, what is going on? Busy work, diligent work, intelligent work. You know, you've heard work, work smarter, not harder. There's definitely truth to that. The, the ant is diligent, you know, preparing her bread. Obviously, it doesn't mean literally bread, but preparing her bread in the summer and gathering her food for harvest. There's a diligent, deliberate effort to work and provide. Now, does that sound like rocket science? No, but it is the wisdom of the Lord. If we want to build a life that is solid, can stand the storms, where we don't have to fear the difficulties that come our way, if we want a life like that, then we do the simple things that the Scripture teaches us. Work hard. Consider the ant. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. (laughs) This should make you chuckle. How many of you drink vinegar? Yeah, right. There's a reason why. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes. This is in the Bible. So is the sluggard to those who send him. What does this mean? If I stop and think about it. Well, you send a lazy person, they're going to cause you trouble. I don't want to be the lazy person and I don't want to send the lazy person. What does wisdom teach me here? These things are painful in life. Don't mess around with them. Don't be lazy and don't send one who is. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. (laughs) I love that the Proverbs can make you chuckle. And isn't this interesting? Whether you could plug in anything other than the sluggard in there, we do this. Sometimes we're wiser in our own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. We're pretty sure we're smart, but we're not sure about everybody else. Where else do we see this? Here's one. um, As a door turns on its hinges, so does a slugger on his bed. I'm guilty. I have the gift of sleep. Okay, I like to sleep in. But what does this, and I do this. I'm supposed to get out of bed, but what do I do? I roll over, and then I, my back kind of hurts, and I roll over again. I'm like a door on its hinges, turning over back and forth in my bed, unwilling to get up. What's the wisdom of God? Get up. Be diligent. Consider the ant. Get it done. Do what you need to do. Be a provider. Be diligent. Don't sit there and toss and turn in your bed and let the day go to waste. As a door turns on the hinges, so a sluggard on his bed. You do not get to use that with your teenagers when you go home. Have some grace. 
eh, I'll leave that up to you. <laughs> the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. What does the Bible promise us here? If we are diligent, our needs will be met. See, we, we believe that God is our provider, but we don't lay in our bed all day and ask Him for provision. He doesn't honor that. He honors hard work and diligence. So we, if we pray to, for Him to provide, we also have to understand that His way means you go to work. You work for it. He made you to work. Subdue the earth and rule over it, He said. Subduing is an active, engaged thing. He will provide when we honor Him in His ways. These are His ways. Be diligent. You know, we see this reiterated in the New Testament. Ah, oh, Jared, that's just Old Testament legalistic, um, lacking grace. And No, I don't think so. We see it in the New Testament as well. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. This is Paul giving instruction. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. This is Paul, the guy that teaches grace. He wrote so much of the New Testament. And this is how they operated. If you don't work, you don't eat. You will work. This was Paul's understanding. This is the way they lived. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. That's challenging to us. That God would instruct us that way. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. Paul writing to Timothy. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Whoo! Yow. That's a zinger. I'm going to have to preach about grace next week because I'm afraid you're all going to go home depressed. <laughs> but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith. What? Very serious indications here. He's worse than an unbeliever. God expects us to be diligent, to provide, to work. Of course there are exceptions, you know. Somebody becomes disabled or things like that. I mean, of course, those, are, those circumstances happen. But God has called us to work and to work hard, to consider the ant and be diligent. Would you stand, please? We're going to look at a few other of the themes of Proverbs next week. But ultimately, my thought for you, and I feel like what God has stirred on my heart, is to build wisely. Build your life wisely. Build your church wisely. Communicate with your family wisely. Honor God and His principles, and your life will be able to weather the storms. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to pray, and, and we're going to wrap it up for the day, but we're going to gather around Corey and his family after the service and pray for them um, for this deployment. Uh, nine months will probably go quickly for those of us that just continue in our day-to-day lives, but for a family that's separated for that period of time, it's a long time. And so we want to pray for them and bless them. Uh, you may also want to give Jen Leonard a hug, who is up here uh, leading worship with Matt. Um, she is taking a position at Bridge Assembly doing worship, so uh, she will be over there serving those guys. So we appreciate you, Jen, wherever you are in the room, so you might want to give her a hug too before she leaves. Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for 2022. Oh my goodness. 
Lord, we thank you for this year. Lord, we thank you for blessing us and giving us life. Lord, we pray that you would lead us in your wisdom and your way for the coming year. God, that you would find us honoring you first, acknowledging you, being diligent with our lives and operating in wisdom. God, we pray for your blessing. God, I pray for each one that has heard these words of wisdom today, Lord, that, that they'd be stirring in all of us, Lord. They're like, they're like precious stones in our foundation. God, help us to implement them in our everyday lives, all the while understanding that you are gracious and patient, and that you love us and want the best for us. And we're thankful for that, Lord. Pray for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's the conclusion of our service today. But some of you, please come up over here and we'll pray for Corey. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Take care.